Okay guys, today we're gonna to be talking about strength bias in CrossFit. So first we're gonna make the argument that CrossFit is a strength sport, first and foremost. If you imagine strength and power as a spectrum with strength and power on one end and endurance on the other end, then CrossFit is much more towards the strength and power end of the spectrum than anywhere else. And so first we're gonna make that argument and then we're gonna talk about should you train like a strength biased athlete based upon body weight standards and strength standards in the sport? And then if so, how to do that? So without further ado, let's start with CrossFit is a strength and power sport. So strength standards in competitive CrossFit are exceptionally high and CrossFit demands both this exceptional strength and high contraction volumes relative to other strength sports. And I'm gonna get into more detail on what I mean by that in a second. And so CrossFitters, in order to prepare for competitions with really high contraction volumes, they've gotta do a lot of contractions in training. And so this induces the concurrent training effect and the strength and power gains are attenuated or completely eliminated because they're doing so many contractions. Uh, as a result, these chronically high contraction volumes in their training prevent athletes from ascending the levels of the sport because they're not making appreciable gains in their strength and power. So that is the, that's the problem statement. And here are some details as to what makes CrossFit a strength and power sport more so than an endurance sport. So a powerlifting meet has three lifts, three attempts per lift, and let's assume six warmups per lift. So that comes out to 27 contractions not very many contractions. A multi-day CrossFit competition at 28 reps per minute for 12 minutes average per event times eight events, that's 2,700 contractions. So quite a bit more than the powerlifting meet. Certainly more aerobic, you have to be more sustainable in order to excel at that. But then we look at a two and a half hour run. The two and a half hour run is gonna have 180 steps per minute for two and a half hours. And that comes down to 27,000 contractions. So if we look at a competitive marathon time, around two and a half hours, that's 27,000 contractions. And that would be, I would say, very far towards the endurance end of the spectrum. Similarly, a powerlifting meet would be a good representation of totally towards the strength and power end of the spectrum. And CrossFit is way closer to the powerlifting meet if we look at contraction volume than the marathon, way closer to the powerlifting meet, orders of magnitude closer to the powerlifting meet. So that's one example of what I mean when I say CrossFit is a strength sport, more so than an endurance sport. Here are the strength standards for CrossFit in the Olympic lifts. So I looked at the Olympic totals from the 2023 CrossFit Games, and then I looked at the Olympic totals from the 2023 USAW National Championships for both men and women. And Laura Horvath lifted three pounds less, three pounds less than the United States national champion in the 156 pound weight class. And Laura has recently represented her country as, a, an, as an Olympic weightlifter. Uh, here are just some numbers. So for the, the CrossFit Games men, the top three men in the Olympic total were 701, 680, and 644. In the 195 pound weight class, the totals were 752, 733, and 730. 
those were the three best lifters at the USA national championships in the 195 pound weight class. And you also have to consider that the CrossFitters, this was maybe the 10th event of the weekend or 11th event of the weekend. So there was certainly some cumulative fatigue and they don't specialize in weightlifting. So despite that, the CrossFitters were near senior national levels in Olympic weightlifting and the same goes for the women. So Laura Horvath lifted 470 pounds, 447 was second and 446 was third. And the women in the 140 pound weight class at the USAW national championships lifted 451, 449 and 447. So the, the women were even more competitive relative to the USAW senior nationals. So that is an exceptionally high strength standard. And that goes to say that Olympic lifting especially, but strength and power standards are very, very valued in the sport of CrossFit. Now, if we look at the endurance standards in CrossFit from the same competition, the 2023 CrossFit Games, where there was a 5K run. Now, I am relying on a Reddit article where an individual took the 5K times that were a shortened distance because of a mismeasurement of the course, and then did the calculation to extend those times and what would the actual 5k time have had been have been if they had measured the course correctly so these are adjusted times based on the results from the games and i'm relying on the accuracy i haven't proofread it but i'm relying on the accuracy of it and then i've compared those to the wisconsin state high school 5k times so these are state level high school state high school level 5k times the men were 1829 at the games. The men were 1829, 1838, 1849. The women were, or the men were at the Wisconsin State High School level were 1432, 1453, and 1501. So the amount of separation between the CrossFit Games athletes 5K performance and a state high school level 5K performance was absolutely massive orders of magnitude bigger compared to the difference between the Olympic totals of the CrossFit Games athletes and the USAW national championships Olympic totals. Significantly closer there than they were to the 5K times. So <clears throat> all that to say, the strength standards in CrossFit are very, very high. The endurance standards in CrossFit are significantly lower than the strength standards. Okay, so that is all to say, based upon performance standards, based upon contraction volume, and just looking at what the athletes are expressing in the competition, CrossFit is much, much more a strength and power sport than it is an endurance sport. And that's, that's the first point. So with that in mind, should you train like a strength-biased athlete? And the first question to ask is, are you big enough? And shout out to Ben Wise of Zora Fitness for compiling this data. So the females at the CrossFit Games, over the, this is aggregated over past years of CrossFit Games is where Ben got this. Females were 130 to 160 pounds and 14 to 16% body fat. Males were 190 to 220 pounds and eight to 10% body fat. So significant amount of lean body mass, certainly well above the genetic median in lean body mass. 
And if you are significant, if you're hearing those numbers and you're significantly below those numbers, then that is an indicator that you may want to train like a strength biased athlete. Second question to ask yourself is, are you strong enough? So for females, the snatch 175, 225 clean and jerk. For males, 285 snatch, 335 clean and jerk. These are exceptionally high, you know, near national level strength standards, and they're necessary to compete at the highest level of the sport. So if those are seeming, whoa, those are like really far off, not, I'm not even within striking distance of those, then that is an indicator that you may want to set aside some time to train like a strength biased athlete. So what should you do if you want to train like a strength biased athlete? Well, the first thing is to limit the number of metcons and intervals you do. Another way to say this is fast aerobics. So anything where your heart rate is 160 or above, that would be in my book, a fast aerobic session and you wanna limit yourself to one to two of those per week. This is to keep your energy expenditure down and is to minimize the concurrent training effect, which just basically dictates that the more conditioning you do and the more advanced you are, the harder it is to make appreciable gains in your strength and power. So one to two fast aerobic sessions per week. All your other aerobic sessions become slow, concentric-based, modalities. So these slow, meaning 140 beats per minute or less, just as a general guideline. Concentric-based modalities basically means machines. So you're rowing or you're biking or you're using a step mill or you're hiking, walking outside. Limit yourself to one session per day to ensure you're training fresh and you're staying in an energy surplus. So as you start adding sessions, your energy expenditure is going to go up and it's going to be more difficult as your energy expenditure gets higher and higher <clears throat> to stay in an energy surplus. And the energy surplus is really a very important factor for making appreciable gains in your strength and power. So you want to make sure that you're in an energy surplus. To that end, you want to eat for an energy surplus. So modest body fat gain above the 14 to 16% range for females and the eight to 10% body fat percentage range for males is an indicator that you are in an energy surplus. So you don't wanna be riding the line of being in an energy deficit. And so modest body fat gain up to 15% body fat for males and 22% body fat for females. Above that, you just run into issues with having to do longer leaning out phases, cut phases, uh, once you start training like a CrossFitter again, and so there's, and there's also no, no additional anabolic benefit to being above 15% or 22% body fat, it seems. So modest body fat gain up to those points is an indicator that you are in an energy surplus and you're in a good environment to make appreciable gains in your strength and power. And you should expect appreciable gains in your strength and power. If you're not making appreciable gains in your in your muscle mass, depending on if you're emphasizing hypertrophy or emphasizing strength. <clears throat> if you're not seeing appreciable gains, then that's an indicator that you need to do something different. Maybe lower your energy expenditure, maybe increase your energy intake, maybe do less intervals, maybe do less metcons, keep it down to one to two times per week. And your aerobic ability, especially if you're an advanced athlete, is only gonna be maintained or very, very slightly improved because you're not training it with enough frequency. And so 
The most common mistake I see guys is continuing to practice the sport too much, continuing to do too many intervals, do too many Metcons, and the concurrent training effect just takes over and you're, you're just not able to make significant gains in your strength and power. So really, if you take nothing else away, just one to two fast aerobic sessions per week. Okay, so those are best practices for training like a strength biased athlete. And the last thing I want to offer is how to perform hypertrophy training. So this is for that individual who they, maybe the strength standards, they're like, okay, I could maybe see myself doing those strength standards if I had more lean body mass and I'm nowhere close to the weight class for the sport and I really need to get my muscle mass up. Well, your training program should include a lot of accessories. It should include a lot of hypertrophy training. And one thing that I see a lot when, when clients start with me is they're very familiar with how to train strength, do a few easy sets, do a few moderate sets, hit a top set, keep great form, don't fail, hit, just hit the top set and move on. So <clears throat> most CrossFitters are familiar with how to do that, but very few know how to train for hypertrophy. And so the key ingredient when it comes to hypertrophy is an approach to failure. So if your accessory work is written as three by eight or three by 10 or three by 12, and you're doing the same load for the same number of reps across three sets, especially for advanced athletes, that's gonna become less and less likely. And it's an indicator that you're actually not getting a true approach to failure. So that is why when I write hypertrophy training programs, I always give a range. So instead of saying three by 10, I will say by I will say three by six to 12 or three by eight to 15. And the other ranges I use are 10 to 20 and 15 to 25. And <clears throat> as far as which rep range you choose, that's a function of what muscle groups you're training, how fast twitch versus slow twitch are they? Fast twitch are gonna be towards the lower end of the spectrum. Slow twitch are gonna be towards the higher end of the spectrum. So for your pushing muscles, your anterior delts, your pecs, your triceps, your hamstrings, those are all relatively fast twitch. You're gonna to tend towards the lower end of the rep ranges, more like six to 12 or eight to 15. And then if you are doing slower twitch muscle fibers, like your quads or your back, your, your lats, your upper back, your biceps, those are going to be more likely higher rep ranges. Now there's other considerations as well with the exercise selection, how stable is the exercise? Is it a compound or is it an isolation movement, et cetera. But for the most part with what I've given you, you can, you can do much more effective accessory work if you just do those things and get a proper approach to failure than the typical three by 10 CrossFit accessory work. Now, <clears throat> the way that you measure the approach to failure is reps in reserve. This just means if you had a gun to your head at the very end of the set, how many more reps could you have done if you had gone absolutely to involuntary muscle failure? And this number is always gonna be between zero and four. Zero is a very close approach to failure and four is a further approach from failure or approach to failure. So with that in mind, guys, your reps should trend down set to set and that's why you're given a range. So if the range is 10 to 20, Maybe the first set you get 18, then 16, then 14, then 12. <clears throat> That's a very good indicator that you actually successfully approach failure in each set. Okay, so that is how to perform hypertrophy training. And I just leave that in there because if you wanna train like a strength biased athlete, you hear those numbers, you're like, I need to get bigger. 
then you're gonna do a lot of accessory work and just pick the major patterns and do lots of work in that six to 25 rep range. Do the best you can as far as picking which exercises uh, to do. And yeah, that is that is how you influence hypertrophy. And then you, you do that in an environment of energy surplus and good things can happen with reversal lean body mass. Okay guys, so to review, CrossFit is much more a strength and power sport than it is an endurance sport. This goes against most of the marketing around CrossFit that you're good at everything, when the reality is the contraction volumes and the performance standards are much, much more similar to powerlifting than they are to a marathon run. Should you train like a strength biased athlete? Well, if you're not big enough and not strong enough for the level that you wanna compete at, then yeah, consider training like a strength biased athlete. And I'll do another episode on what you should do if you wanna be a conditioning biased athlete. And then how to do that, really just limit the number of intervals and metcons you're doing. Make sure you're in an energy surplus. Modest body fat gain is an indicator up to a certain point that you're in an energy surplus and won't negatively affect your ability to get down to the leanness that you need to compete in the sport later. And then just performing resistance training, just make sure that you're approaching failure as that's one of the, one of the most important ingredients for hypertrophy. Okay guys, thanks for joining me. And if you want to train like a strength biased athlete and you have questions about how to do that, just send me a DM on Instagram at Paul B. Weber and I'd be happy to chat with you. Okay guys, thanks for joining me. If you are, if you enjoyed this podcast and you learn from it, please leave a review, like, subscribe, do all the things, and I'll see you in the next one.